$2 late fee, you have one new message. This is Craig Saffin. You're listening to Zach and Dustin at $2 late fee. And I remember $2 late fees. Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah, this is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Hey, Dustin, I I feel so cool because of tonight's episode that we're about to break down and d- discuss and dissect and all sorts of good things. I feel so cool about tonight's episode. That could be the uh, ice cream in your pants. Oh, that's true. You know, it's summer. It's hotter. You want to uh, keep the boys cool. It could be the icy hot on my lower back. Yeah, I, I put icy hot in all my areas um just to cool down not not even for the muscle effect the uh bottoms of your feet oh oh yeah yeah i really gotta do that i really gotta do that i gotta get myself uh you ever had a pedicure i love pedicures yeah i had one i had one it was life-changing and now i'm trying to schedule just um you know just like just something that, that you know gets a little massage in there or something but uh there's yeah, something yeah. about someone massaging your feet and scrubbing all the dead skin off your feet, trimming your toenails and giving your feet extra love and care. I think feet, I don't know, I would th- I would say feet are probably one of the most neglected parts of the body for most people. Would you agree? Well, they I I would totally agree and and you know, it's just one of those things of like you know, much like the neck carries the head, it's like the feet carry the whole shaboodle. The feet, the whole shaboodle. The feet do it all, and I think uh, certainly as as uh, in your day to day, you know, my day to day, I'm not really looking at my feet. I'm not like yeah. staring at them or whatever. And then recently, I just like caught a glam glimpse. I caught a glimpse and a glimpse, and I said, uh, "Wow, you know, this these these feet need some love." Um, I don't like. I do not like the way they are looking, um, and they're they're not soft. And oh, they got to be soft. Yeah. They should be soft. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I, I could cut myself on my feet and I'm not talking about my nails. Just like the, you know, just like the heels. But, uh, you know, it's a bad scene. It's a bad scene. So you made me think of um, Hannibal Lecter in Michael Mann's Manhunter when he's looking at Will Graham and he's describing his hands and he says, you don't, those aren't cup hands. Yeah. You've been outside. Right. And I think about your feet, your feet should be soft. 
Not like cop hands, but <laughs> no, not like uh, not like working in the mines feet. No, that, that would just be weird if you're barefoot. Yeah, give him some mine. love. But um, <laughs> I don't even remember how we started talking about this. But yes, no, I was telling you I was feeling cool about tonight. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Because the movie we're going to talk about is 1981's Thief, directed by Michael Mann, starring James Caan. Rest in peace. Yep. Rest um, in peace. This movie, this selection, we're going to talk about uh, Craig Saffin's song Confrontation. That will be, um, you know, that's the featured song for the episode. But this all came about because we had an opportunity to interview Craig Saffin. That will be the follow-up episode to this episode. Um, But then Dustin and I were like, well, what movie should we discuss in regards to Craig? Should we talk about Last Starfighter? Should we talk about right. Legend of Billy Jean again? Revisit Maybe. that possibly. Yeah. Uh, warning sign. Who knows? Right. Right. right? That's but what then, we said. But then James Caan had passed away around that time. And I thought, you know what? Maybe we need to like do one of my favorite James Caan movies, uh, if not the favorite James Caan movie. Interesting. And one of my favorite Michael Mann movies of all time. Interesting. As you guys know, we are big Michael Mann fans. So the stars aligned because we realized Craig did the final track of the movie, not Tangerine Dream. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. Kind of going through this weird period where I feel like every movie I watch is scored by Tangerine Dream. They scored a lot of movies. They they, they really did. I mean, they, they really did. They really they were they were busy. I mean, we talk about like Kenny Loggins, you know, having like a song on every soundtrack. But Tangerine Dream, like, you know, just in the last week, uh, Strange Behavior, um, this movie. There were a couple others. I was like, maybe I should take notes because it's just a weird thing. But well, I was just talking about the movie Miracle Mile the other day to someone who had said, "Do you know any good like kind of uh, offbeat?" Um, comedic like horror films and i'm like well it's not a horror film per se but it's an end of the world movie so um <laughs> miracle mile if you guys haven't seen that you should definitely seek it out um but tangerine dream scored that well they they've scored another michael mann film as well the keep which i covered on podcasting after dark with mm-hmm. Corey sleazy c uh, and i personally love that movie i know michael mann does not love that movie uh, he's gone on record to say that he hopes it never gets released on yeah. DVD or Blu-ray, which is such a shame because it, yes. honestly, it's not uh, a bad movie. Yes, and we did t- we touched upon that here on our top three horror soundtracks um, yes. from last uh, October for anybody who's uh, interested in, in, in going that route. But yeah, but also, uh, right, of course, Risky Business, a little Vision Quest, a little Red Heat, a little Legend, Three O'Clock High. Durr. There's one called Flashback. Flashpoint. 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 Yep. Yeah. Since oh, don't forget Near Dark, one of the best Near Dark horror Absolutely. films of all time. I've not opinion. seen Flashpoint. I'm looking at this. I've not seen that. You should watch it. It's got a great cast. Rip Torn, Chris Christopherson, Miguel Ferrer. Oh, our boy. Treat Williams. Our boy Miguel Ferrer, who always comes up. God, I love me some Miguel Ferrer. What a shame that he's no longer with us. What a shame James Caan is no longer with us. Yeah. What a legacy he left on screen. Um, And I'm not just talking about Elf. But but you could be. You could just be talking about Elf. You know, that's enough for everybody. He's great in Elf. Yeah, he is. Um, What what are some of your favorite James Caan movies? Uh, Obviously, The Godfather. 
Sonny. I think that's on. He's gone on record to say that that was his favorite movie he did. I, oh, you know what I love him in is um um. God, I don't. Know. It's like my brain has just stopped. I love him in um Bottle Rocket. Oh yeah, that is one of my favorite favorite James Cameron. You know, Jonathan, the world needs dreamers. Excuse me? No, I don't think so. <laughs> You know, John, one day I believe that you're going to wake up and realize you no longer have a brother and you no longer have any friends. And on that day, I'm going to be standing front and center just laughing my fucking head off. <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> hey, John. Hey, Ow. Ow. Uh, I hope this doesn't offend you, Bob, but your brother's a cocksucker. Is that a uh, Wes Anderson movie? Yeah, it's his first one. It's the first yep. one that he did. Wrote it with uh, with Owen. Yep. And, um, and you Great know, and, yeah, and, and him getting James Conn for that was one of the big reasons, I think, why it, why they were able to raise uh, the money to, to, to fully fund it. Kind of a big deal to get James Conn at that time, too, because that was a time when movie indie movies were still considered indie movies wouldn't you say a hundred percent it was like people were still kind of like funding movies on their credit cards you yep. know that kind of uh yeah just just really really hustling <laughs> to 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 get to get it done um where does alien nation rank for you it's up there for sure it's actually one of my favorite james con movies to the point where i wanted to wear like a dallas cowboys kind of jersey shirt because he does in that. And I'm like, I just think it looks cool. And people are like, why do you want, what do you like, Dallas now? I'm like, no, I like Alien Nation. <laughs> Damn it. And then, of course, um, uh, Misery. Can't forget Misery. Yeah. For sure. Where does Thief rank for you as far as James Conn roles? Does it rank high or low or somewhere in the middle? Um, it, it ranks high. You know, it's um, it's a Chicago movie with like clear Chicago accents. Yes. Except for the two main characters, <laughs> you know? So like it's, it's a little muddled when it comes to James Caan and Tuesday Weld. And that kind of takes me out of it. Whereas, you know, all like the cops, all the, all the guys where it's like, are you, you know, they, they've got that, that clear, that clear Chicago, South, Southeast, South side of Chicago um, sound. And of course, you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll get further into this, but a lot of those guys that are in this movie, like there, there was a lot of real, real uh, folks being cast in certain roles, you know, um, career cr criminals that were career criminals that were then, you know, turned actors turned, you know, advisors quote unquote on this movie yeah. consultants on this movie um but anyway yeah, consultant now i've totally digressed from your initial question but but i think that that kind of takes it out it takes takes me out of it a little bit i love you know he's got some amazing monologues he's incredibly captivating and every time you're very much like speaks. oh like he's kind of a he's kind of like a blue collar guy uh, you know, not necessarily an educated guy, but he's a guy who like maybe is very self-conscious of that. And so he, he, he's always, he never wants to seem like he doesn't, he's not in control of every situation. And 
that comes across like beautifully. Um, and, uh, you know, and I've heard it said many times that James Caan purposely never uses contractions yep. in any of his dialogue. And you're like, holy shit. And what a brilliant, what a brilliant device. It's not, I can't go there. It's like, I cannot go there. And every word has that, that, that added emphasis. Um, you know, this was not a movie that was up for a lot of awards or accolades or anything. And in fact, I feel like it, it was nominated for some Razzies and, and, and bad, bad movie stuff. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. first of all, Siskel and Ebert, um, I, I, you know, prior to watching the movie, I was like, I want to see what, like, if I can find any interesting clips online or whatever. And I found a old Siskel and Ebert review of it. They both loved it. They both considered it the, the best movie that they had seen up to that point that year. And I think, you know, I'm sure in 81 it was, I, you know, it had to be, it, it's very, it's weird. Like, um, it was nominated for, um, the Razzie for worst musical score. Sorry, Tangerine Dream. Let's wow, get this really? out of the way. And then <laughs> the the Stinkers Bad Movies Awards, most intrusive musical score, um, most annoying fake accent for Tuesday Weld, worst actor nominee for James Caan. I don't even know what, what this is. I don't know what this is, but of course this is notably uh, worst on screen couple to James really? Caan and Tuesday. <laughs> yes. Well, before we get into more of that, yeah. I, I want to say to you, ask you this question. Um, have you ever been in a position where you were around people that were maybe w more well-educated than you and you had to put on a certain air about yourself in, or that you felt insecure about that? Were you ever in a position like that? Um, you know, it's weird. I, I feel like I, always, I, like, I like being around really educated people, you know, and I feel like um, to a degree we've really fallen off that uh, in, in the country, you know, yeah, we, intellectualism is. is, is frowned upon. Uh, I mean, I have so much to say about that. I, I won't even get into that cause that's just going to derail us for a long time. But, um, <laughs> you know, no, I, I think for me, it was always, uh, it's more the opposite of like, I don't want to, you know, like I, I'll use a word and someone will be like, what is that word? Not like I'm a super smart guy or anything, but you know, I, I find there's definitely a correlation between, um, books people that read well yeah I, reading I, okay i no i totally yeah. I, I see what you're saying I, I guess uh i'm thinking specifically like about myself thankfully never served time never went to jail for anything or whatever and uh you know but in a weird way i kind of felt like i because i've seen this movie quite a few times i felt like i could identify with the idea of wanting to distance yourself from a, a life that would be considered lower than the company that you keep or wanting to see like feel like you're a, a you know feeling like you don't want to be like i i dated a girl once who had all these lawyer friends in san, san francisco mm -hmm. and i remember going to a party and, and they were all wearing like really nice clothes like almost suits practically and they were not is not because they just got off work or something and I did not feel like I walked into this situation and felt very underdressed. And so I immediately felt insecure about being there. Mm -hmm. And then their whole discussion was way over my head. And I was trying to relate in some way um, and felt really just like I didn't like that feeling. Yeah. And no. so I left that situation and I'm like, 
I got to get smarter <laughs> or I got to, I got to make myself feel, like look more, um, mature, I guess in a weird way. And, uh, um, can know. I ask you this? Did you feel insecure in the relationship? Yes. Yeah. So that's why. Oh, totally. But yeah, the relationship you know I mean? was that's doomed from the start. But that's so. a reflection. Clearly. So like if you're already feeling insecure and you go into a party with these other dude, you know what I mean? Like, so, so yeah. the, the stage is set. I would say that if you were more confident in that relationship, you would not feel less than with those people. Uh, agreed. 100%. 100%. So, um, you know, that seems more about just like you, you put on a, a nicer shirt and then you're just yes. there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I related more to like the Jack Casey character in Quicksilver when his uh, girlfriend has like the kind of yes. guys with him. That's that that's closer to that. Yeah, versus yeah. James Caan wanting to kick the shit out of somebody if they look at him wrong, you know? So, right. <laughs> like the uh, the woman at the adoption agency. So, anyways, we can get into that in just a minute. Right. Great scene. <laughs> I mean, thief thief to me. Getting back to specific, getting specifically back to thief. Um, yeah, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, like an asshole. Everyone has one, but this movie to me is sets the stage for what I love about Michael Mann. Mm -hmm. I love about synth music. I love about uses of color in movies, um, scenes where there's no dialogue at all yep. and, and in just in, in, in driving, driving the drama home simply for like the sound uh, or the uh seeing like a a welding tool breaking uh you know into a safe for five minutes and just like hearing no dialogue just yeah. music and going holy shit this is beautiful this is dramatically beautiful um yeah this movie is a study i feel like you watch this film and you go wow so many people are influenced by this mm -hmm. this 81 you were just getting into the 80s so it's it's it, nobody had really seen this at least on in the united states i think french new wave was kind of doing stuff like this prior but yep. um man this is to me it's groundbreaking and james Kahn, who first of all uh i i i'm shocked and i also applaud the fact of his hairiness in this, yeah. this movie there's a scene where he has a shirt off and you're like damn that dude is hairy and this was a time when like rugged cool guys were not like waxed yeah. you know what i'm saying or or like hairless you know uh like i got nothing against chris hemsworth i think he's a beautiful man but 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 badasses back then just didn't give a shit no you know? it's it's rare to watch something today and just see like a hairy man um yeah as know. the leading man you know and um, with wrinkles or you know whatever yeah and uh, and I always, you know, whenever I see a hairy man on screen, I, I need to audibly say, oh, wow, he's hairy, you know, <laughs> and I feel like I feel like sometimes it gets me into trouble because I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm just like, wow, he's hairy. And everyone's like, what? keep it, down? you know, because um, I'll do it. I'll do it in real life, too. You know, like I, it's not just like on the screen. Um, oh, you'll see someone walking down the street and go, oh, wow, he's hairy. Yeah. Like, oh, he's hairy. Wow. But do you see that often now? Do you see like tufts of hair coming out? Yeah, from yeah, really? you still okay. see it. You still see it. Okay. And in the uh, if you're looking for it now, you're really now you're really gonna see it. Like now that I've mentioned it, like tomorrow know, you're right? gonna go to the community pool or something. Like, ooh, sure. I did not know my neighbor was that hairy. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about body hair versus like ear hair and nose hair because that that just grows rampant as you get older, unfortunately. <laughs> 
So yeah, I, I I don't I don't gawk at, at that. I mean, I don't gawk. That to be clear, it's just it's just more of like um in the same way that I look at like an, an impressive beard or something, you know. Except it's a little different. I'm not like, you know, with oh that's an awesome beard. I'm not like oh that's an awesome back hair. It's just more like. <laughs> You know, but that's, that's the, the, the downside of the aging and, um, you know, just having hair as a man, just having yeah. hair in stranger places, you lose it true, on your head true. and then you gain it in your, uh, like, yeah, like in your ears. Like what you're saying, like, what, what is this? Like what happened? What kind of weird trade off is this? <laughs> I don't like it. Um, but James Conn, but James, James Conn, he's a man, he's a man's man. He's a man's man. So he's a thief. If anyone didn't know, he's a thief, but, um, but he's a thief that, you know, I, what I love is like, it's like a thief living by a specific code. It's, and the code is, you know, um, the code is like only things that are insured. So if they're taking diamonds, people are getting insurance. And they kind of mention that a lot in the movie, you know, where it's just like, you know, it's, or it's diamonds or it's cash, but we're not, we're not like invading people's homes. You know, it's all, it's all like high corporate in and out snatch and grabs the nobility of of the thief if you will if there is such a thing you know well it's it's a template that i think has been used uh in in movies since then mm -hmm. like yeah. how do we take how do we take a villain because that's a villainous thing to do right yeah and turn in turn them into a a hero well it's i mean it's like oceans 11 you know except yeah. except that's a little more um lighthearted and fun and there's a, you know, it's just a bunch of friends doing things. This is, this is friends too, but it's not, this is not lighthearted. You know, it's the Italian job. I mean, there, there's so many movies where the, the, the protagonist is a thief and you do relate to the person and you do like the person and you are rooting for that person, which is what you need. I feel like in, in a movie like this. Yes, because they're, if you break it down in, in some respect, everybody's kind of a villain in some way, right? Everybody's. Uh, a gray character. Mm -hmm. When a time when gray characters were not all that prevalent, you know, in 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 on on screen, uh, I think now we're we're living in an age of everybody's gray, mm -hmm. right? Everybody's gray. Anti anti heroes, anti heroes, whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. But but this was a time when um you know the good guys always win in the eighties kind of idea with uh, Megaforce the following year mm -hmm. that came out. Uh, but but this, yeah that. James Caan is—he's a thief. Uh, who, who, like you said, he's—he's a—he's—he's he's like only robs from the rich. His name is Frank. Gives to himself. Frank. He owns a car dealership. Uh, if someone wrongs him, you don't want to cross him at all. Yeah, he's—you know—he's a—he's a Chicago guy who who went away. We learned that he did some time. Um, eleven years, right? He did eleven years for stealing you know, 40 bucks as a kid. And that one sort of event that happens to him really explains everything about his personality. Cause he's a guy who's like making up for lost time. And that's, yep. and that's, you know, throughout the entire movie, he's referencing this little like vision board, so to speak, this little card, this little collage yeah. where it's, it's almost like a guy who's like panicked cause he didn't think he was going to have any time. Right. So and now he knows, he appreciates how little time there is. Um, lost 11 years, now he's making up. He's, he's being very direct about things. He's not, he's not really, he, no, no time for like to put in the, the courting stage of relationship. 
It's just like, we getting together, <laughs> we getting together, adopting some kids or what? What are we doing? Yeah. You want a kid? <laughs> you want a kid? I don't know. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, that's um, speaking of his relationship with Tuesday Weld, uh, who plays Jesse in this movie, um, and kind of their whole, um, dynamic, which is very interesting because, uh, Frank is going to be honest with her. He decides to be honest. It's like, Hey, so, you know, <laughs> I'm a thief. We, are we going to get this romance started or what? <laughs> yeah. And that, that whole interaction. So, uh, I don't know if we want to tell too much about details in this movie because maybe some people haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no, I think we, potentially. we're not really a detailed podcast. We, we no. purposely don't do that. But something, you know, they're supposed to, he, he and Tuesday, uh, Jesse, Frank and Jesse, you're supposed to go out on a date. He's uh, delayed for a very valid reason. And she's pissed for a very valid reason because he's like two hours late to this date. She's drunk at this point in a blues bar. Blues bar, by the way, uh, with a fantastic blues band and a kick-ass song. There's a there's while this movie is driven by a synth score throughout, mm -hmm. there is a break early on in the movie where there's a live uh, jazz, uh, blues band playing, and it's a it's a grooving little track. I really really <laughs> dig that. Song. It is a grooving little track. <laughs> it's a grooving ditty. Um, but they, you know, yeah, they they have this kind of drag out argument as uh, as he drags her out of the bar. And uh, bouncers try to hold him back. One bouncer in particular, did you notice who that one bouncer was at the blues bar? First um, his screen debut. I don't believe I did. It was William Peterson. Oh, there was a lot of debuts in this movie, eh? There Qu were quite a, quite there a were. few. Uh, quite a few. I did not realize that was William Peterson. Yeah, John, uh, Jim Belushi. Uh, obviously, this was his first movie. They're like, oh, John Belushi's brother, Jim Belushi, is in this film. Yep. <laughs> and he's great, by the way. And he's a Chicago guy, so that tracks, you know, as far as like uh, Robert Prosky, who was like 50 at the time, plays the main villain, Leo. Yeah. And if, uh, Robert Prosky would follow up with in, in The Keep. He plays like a Polish priest, which is really funny because, you know, he, he doesn't have an accent in that either. He's, I mean, he's so good in this. He's um, the amazing, really a testament this. to like, you know, just keeping on, keeping on, you know, cause if he's 50 and this is like his technically his like first movie movie, um, you know, he's just that perfect combination of like, I will do whatever you need done as your buddy. You know, I'm your buddy. I'm your pal. It's old Leo. It's old Leo, whatever you need. And like, do not fuck with me. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Do not. Um, he has a monologue at the end of this movie, towards the end of this movie, with Frank on his on his on his back, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, we should play some of that. You don't want to work for me. What's wrong with you? And then you carry a piece in my house. You one of those burned out, demolished wackos in the joint? You're scary because you don't give a fuck. But don't come on to me now with your jailhouse bullshit because you are not that guy. Don't you get it, you prick? You got a home, car, businesses, family, and I own a paper on your whole fucking life. I'll whack out your whole family. People will be eating them for lunch tomorrow in their wimpy burgers and not know it. You'll get paid what I say. 
You do what I say. I run you. There is no discussion. I want you work until you are burned out, you are busted, or you're dead. You'll get it. You mentioned uh, a couple other first-timers. I think John John Capellos, Capellos, I think is his, is his name. I'm saying it, maybe mispronouncing it. Um, but he played Carl in The Breakfast Club, you know, the um, the, the janitor. Oh, yes, right? yes, yes. That yes. guy's been in a ton of things. Yeah. This was his first movie. Mike Genovese uh, is the bartender in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that guy, he's a character actor. He's been in everything. Um, but at the minute he was on screen, I'm like, I know that dude. There's a lot of like, yeah. I know that dude. But one dude who has a very small role in this, but a very pivotal role, uh, is Dennis Farina. Yeah. I, I was kind of distracted because because uh, it was one of those things I'm like, oh, that's Dennis Farina. And I was like, is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Is it? Oh, yeah. Wait, is it? Who was actually a police yeah. officer at the time when yeah. he made this movie. Which is amazing. <laughs> right? And like his real life partner is also in the movie. I mean, it's yep. it's really cool. I I, um, I love the authenticity that Michael Mann you know, used with this, even down to like, you know, there's, these are real safe cracking tools that he's using. There's no, um, there's no props. There's like 200 pound safe drills and they're really, you know, they're making actual safes that they are burning into. And it's just like, are you kidding me? That's incredible. They were trained how to, they were trained how to break safes, right? Crack safes. Trained Uh, how to crack safes. Like Frank's character is based on a real person. Uh, and, and, and that guy actually is in the movie as one of the cops. Santucci. Yep. John, John Santucci, you know, is, is this plays this corrupt cop. And, uh, he's like, he's just like such a clown. He's just such a clown, but he has like, he has the most authentic Chicago accent like in the movie. And, uh, you, you know, you, you better not, uh, you better not, uh, cross me there, Frank. (laughs) <laughs> well john santucci uh yeah he was he was real life criminal right yeah and then you think about like oh my god how can you hire a real life criminal to to be an actor well danny trejo was in prison uh eddie bunker who played um which he was one of the he died early on in reservoir dogs but he's also win best of the best with eric roberts oh yeah yeah uh, i think he was like mr i want to say he's mr Braggery. Brown, yeah, maybe? Blue, no, yellow. not Mr. Brown. Mr. Blue. He was Mr. <laughs> Blue. I believe he was Mr. Blue. Um, Eddie Bunker was in a ton of things. Also ex-con. Uh, I, I think it's it's cool. I, you know, Michael Mann, I think, is one of the few filmmakers who makes every supporting actor matter in a movie. Yeah. Every supporting actor matter. It's a really good point. Even if you don't know who they are. I think John Carpenter does that really well in his movies where you're like, yeah, everybody has a a, a, a yep. valuable role. Scorsese does that. Scorsese well, does. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but, but man, like I think of times in Michael Mann's movies where I'm like, why is that guy standing out to me? Well, oh, okay, cool. It's, it doesn't matter. You know, I think of some of my top Michael Mann movies, uh, Manhunter, Heat, and Thief and The Keep definitely are are my top uh, Michael Mann movies. I wish I'm they not all had about TV, though. Man in the name. They're like my top Michael Mann movies: Manhunter, Man of Man at Arms. Yeah, 
Manimal. Um, many faces. Magnificent. Hmm? <laughs> um, yeah, Michael Mann, he he just he uh he he does that in this movie. The the uh Frank's driver who ha- has a very significant role at the end of this movie. Mm, with Jesse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And and by the way, Jesse played by Tuesday Wells, I have so much sympathy for her. Like she got she's been taken advantage of all her life by these dudes. Yeah. Or one dude in specifically. And she just wants to have a good life. And finally, she's getting a good life. And does she get a good life at the end? Well, it's to be determined. Right. I mean, she may. Uh, you brought up Frank's driver. It, it was actually interesting because when he, um, I, I did have a moment where I was like, who? Because he, he, he makes that call to the character. Who I think his name is Joseph, I think. Um, and I was like, who, who's that guy? And I was watching it with Aaron and she's like, oh, no, that's the guy from the beginning. Like, oh, huh. So like he's pivotal, but I also don't like not to disagree with you, but that guy doesn't mean anything to me. Well, as I guess car- what, within the movie. Well, no, I'm, I see what you're saying. And I'm, and I'm not going to contradict myself in, in this. I think what a, my, my point is that character is it's not insignificant, but he doesn't matter too much overall. But yet. Michael Mann like makes him matter. Does that make sense? Uh, it does. It does. But but that was one of the characters of like that guy's just kind of bookending, bookending the movie. Yeah. And I did have a moment of just like I don't, I, I like it was hard for me to know who that was, and I was like okay because he makes that call. We don't have any connection to that character. Anyway, not to ru- this isn't ruining anything for anybody. This doesn't. No. But this is just a, a side. Thing. No, and this actually brings up something I wanted to bring up as well. Um, and I also really quick, I want to say that Tuesday Weld was in uh, Heartbreak Hotel. And you know, I love that movie. You love that movie. So go check out Heartbreak Hotel. Charlie with Schlatter. Charlie Schlatter and David Keith. Um, not Keith, David. Yep. And uh, but, but Michael Mann is not a flawless director. He's not perfect. Um, there, there are moments in his movies where I'm like, I feel like Michael Mann makes movies that make sense to him. Like the dialogue makes sense to him. The scene makes sense to him and doesn't, and I don't know the guy and I could be totally off base, but I feel like it's like, he doesn't care what the audience thinks as long, as long as it makes sense to him, that's that specific scene, then it's good. Right. It's almost like that kind of like, um, maybe I'm not paying as much attention to story in this particular moment as I am to, um, you know, the visuals of this car chase or something, you know, it, it, it's, it seems like that. And then when we talk about the kind of the geography of this movie, it's a Chicago movie with palm trees, right? Like it's a, like, like there, there's, there's, there are moments where we're like, Oh, that house, wait, wait, this is the West coast jewel job. This is the West coast jewel job. Well, there is a LA location, that's right? LA. That's called out. Yep. Right. And that's LA. Where's this house? Like, where's this? Do they live there? Um, well, you know, I think what hurts that, and I and I actually think he does it again in Manhunter. There's a little bit of like, well, where are we right now? Are we in Atlanta or are we somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Um, but even though there's a scene with Will Graham in Manhunter where he's on a plane and you're like, okay, he's he is flying to Atlanta from Florida or wherever he is, you know, right? In the beginning of the movie to go see this crime that's taken place yeah. 
Um, but but in Thief, in Thief, there's no you never see anybody travel by plane. Um, or do you? I, I think you may. I don't see. It's one of those things of like, if we were to dissect this and break it down, we would probably notice those little things. But I, this is one of those movies where I'm always thinking about something else. And then I'm like, wait a minute. What? Where are they? Like, whoa. You know, like, and I catch myself like, well, it's kind of, it's not, it's not called out directly. Like when they get to LA, they're not like, oh, look at Los Angeles. There is, there is a scene where you're clearly there. I mean, he did, he's like, how was San Diego or whatever? Uh, you know, when he gets right. back to Chicago. Right. Chicago. That's towards the end of the movie. Um, that's where the job is. Uh, or you know. or is he in downtown L.A. at that point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait. Well, yeah. So there, yeah. there's a so we'll call out some of the flaws and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it doesn't take away from the fact that I still love this movie and I still love Michael Mann. No, it's, it's not like a, it's not like a flawed. I'm not like confused. I don't I'm not even like up in arms about really anything. Um which but is... I think I think it's worth noting, though, that, you know, that that's something about Michael Mann is somewhat consistent with that in his movies sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I. I, I don't disagree. Um, I really like collateral a lot. OK. Um, I, I was thinking of that just because of like a movie where L.A. becomes part of the almost like part of like it becomes a character, you know, one night. You know, we love those movies of like this takes place over X amount of hours over one night. Yeah. Um, the movie ends when the sun comes up. And that to me is like just very clear every location in the movie. Like we go from here to here to here to here. You know, that's a more recent movie. So there's technology involved that sort of helps you map it out. But um, but all that to say is that Thief is not like a perfect movie, but it's also, it, it, it really was one of those movies that, that, uh, as we sort of touched on, established a lot of these devices for future filmmaker generations. It's almost like things are assumed in a way. Um, and you know, I'm talking about like, he owns this car dealership in Chicago. He also owns what is a very famous, uh, you know, lounge, the, uh, uh the green mill. You know, um, which is a real place, real place, way. real place, yep. you know, very well known Chicago bar. Um, so, you know, it's another thing of like, right. <laughs> clearly Chicago, he did time in Joliet. He mentions that. Um, so, uh, but it's not like, it's not like it harps on the fact that this is his place. He's just always there getting the phone from the bartender. It's just, you know, it's another business that he's facading you know yes um yep it's cool it's almost kind of like grand theft auto before grand theft auto in a way oh i think you could easily say grand theft auto was influenced by this um i think michael mann you know 20 years later not 20 years a, a little over 10 i suppose it was uh didn't remake this movie but he made a a nice companion piece to it in in heat feel like um de niro's character in heat is very much very similar mm-hmm. to frank mm-hmm. um there's so many parallels the relationship that he forms yeah. with uh you know the female lead in that and and in the in the fact that you know he's got to be out in a moment's notice he's got to be on the run or you know he's got to leave everything behind yep. so to speak um the the connection with 
the music, I think uh, it might be Moby that does a lot of the tracks in the Heat soundtrack. But it's it's not it's not Tangerine Dream, but it has a very similar synth score. Mm-hmm. Um, L.A. being the backdrop versus Chicago, and just having moments that felt very similar overall. Yeah. Um, it, but I don't have a problem with that in the least bit. Actually, and then Heat is a remake of L.A. Takedown, which is a made-for-TV movie, which you can watch on YouTube, which is worth watching as well. It's Michael Mann doing the TV version of Heat. <laughs> so it's toned down and the acting is different, but it's still Michael Mann. He directed it. I have not seen that one. Yeah. Oh, you should check yeah. it out. It's it's not... You know, it's it's not his best work, but it's not bad. It's like a made-for-TV Michael Mann movie. Yeah, right. It's a made-for-TV. And, you know, Michael Mann obviously yeah. is no stranger to TV. The it's, Vice, baby. We love Miami Vice. And I wanted... That's a nice segue. And by the way, uh, Dennis Farina was in Crime Story, the lead actor in oh, Crime yeah. Story. If you guys have never watched Crime Story, the TV series, it is one of my favorite TV series of all the times. But Miami Vice, you guys know how we feel about Miami Vice. Um, this... Movie Thief is based on a book called The Home Invaders mm-hmm. by uh, Frank Hoheimer, I think is how you might say his name. Hoheimer? <laughs> H-O-H-I-M-E-R. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing yeah. it. Anyways, Home Invaders. Um, I was, you know, when I'm watching this movie recently and, and doing a little bit of research on it, I'm like, why does that name sound familiar? The book title, right? Well, there's a Miami Vice episode called The Home Invaders. Mm. In fact, it's one of the best episodes of Miami Vice. Look at you. In my opinion. Uh, and it and I'm just gonna list off really quickly who's in that episode because I and who directed that episode. because uh, it's one of the few times this film director directed a television episode. Robert Townsend. Uh, so uh, it does not star Philip Michael Thompson or Philip uh Philip <laughs> Philip Michael Thomas. He was uh they they wrote his character as like being in New York visit uh, you know visiting his mom on vac- on so, vacation yeah. no he's with his girlfriend okay um but it's directed by Abel Ferrara oh wow and Isai Morales is one of the villains in it <sighs> along with David Patrick Kelly oh wow it's one of the grittiest episodes that they've ever done. If you haven't seen that episode, The Home Inviters, it's not, it has no connection to this movie oh. other than the name. Oh, which is I thought you were building too. up to some grand connection. I was trying. <laughs> I wanted to, but I was like, nah, you know, but, but the, but the, but the attitude, the energy feels very similar to Thief. You, uh, you watch Ozark, right? Yes. Yeah. S.I. Morales in that. So good. So good. So good. I mean, talk about a guy who has only gotten better with time. He's he's great. Let's get him on Have the show. Have you finished that series? Let's get him by on the, the show. No, no, not at all. I'm only on season two. I know we need to get him on the yeah. show because there's so much to talk about within in, in the especially in the eighties. Yeah. Um but my God, can can we just like talk about you brought it up uh Briefly, but the monologue that that James Conn has in the restaurant with Jesse, which, by the way, reminds me of the diner scene in Heat with De Niro and Pacino. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I mean, obviously, it's not the same, but it's just the same vibe with them 
uh, very shot similarly. Yeah. But man, that monologue he gives is phenomenal. I was 20 when I went in, 31 when I come out. Uh, you don't uh, you don't count months and years. Uh, you don't do time that way. What do you mean? Why? Why? You gotta forget time. Uh, you gotta not give a fuck if you live or die. Uh, you gotta get to where nothing means nothing. I'll tell you a story all about it. Yeah, he's got a lot of a lot of very commanding speeches. Uh, we we have not mentioned uh, Willie Nelson, by the way. At no, all. I was that was imp- that was intentional at all. on my on my half um, on my part. Well, you know, we only got a finite amount of time to to discuss these movies, um, and when we're talking about cast members, I think we have to we have to talk about o- Okla. I think his character's name yeah. is um, yeah, Okla, not Okja, not Okja, whatever. What's Okja? It's that movie about that weird mutated oh, the, cow the pig thing. or the yeah yeah pig cow. It's really, that'll change your life uh, if you're it's, a meat eater. It's pronounced make, Okja? Yeah, Okja. O-K-J-A. You might, uh, That's how they pronounce might it? reconsider eating meat if you watch that. Maybe I should watch it then. You should. To reconsider. That pushed Kristen over the edge, my wife. She, that pushed her over. That movie pushed her over the edge. She's like, I'm not eating meat anymore. And she hasn't eaten red meat since. But still, like, doesn't, the chickens and the. Well, because they have tiny brains. And the turkeys. They have tiny brains. That's <sighs> how people justify. That's I how I justify fish it. Because they're tiny brains. They have tiny brains. I eat the cockroaches because they're. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, yeah no well, Willie Nelson. Well yeah no because you mentioned that card and he's and he you know this yep. collage and he's featured very prominently, prominently. in the top right hand corner of that collage and and with his name too yeah it says, like a signature. <laughs> yeah. It's very weird. I'm like, did you did not make that collage because it's like photocopied. It's I I don't know. It's very weird. It's like like laminated. It's laminated. Yeah, so folds it a bunch of times. Sure, maybe he laminated. Yeah, it. I think he laminated it. But you know, a guy like that who's making the equivalent of a vision board, it's very, you know, there's something really likable about that. Super um, likable. Yeah, he's a yeah. But you have a, I love I have so much heart for him. Yeah, but, so much. Yeah, but but I just I don't think it's a first date move. I don't think you pull that out on the first date. Or second date, no, or whatever this is. He, you, yeah. You're right about the whole sense of urgency yeah. and like, there is like a there is an urgency in that moment where he's like, "We got to do this now. If we don't do this now, we're never going to do it." Are you are you in? Are you in? Yeah, he's basically saying like, "This is my vision. This is what I've missed out on. This is a spot for you that's cut out. You're going to go here. What do you think?" <laughs> I feel like, yeah. you know, but you know, as you said, it's like she's been around the block too. It's not like you know. She's no spring chicken. She's, you know, she's been, she's been in some bad, some bad stuff. So, but, so that's kind of the thing where she, but she gives us some thought. She's like, okay. All right. I appreciate that. So what, but, but let's talk about Okja. Okja. Okla. Let's talk about, let's talk about Okla. Um, Would you eat his meat? What do you think about his character? (laughs) I just asked you if if you'd eat his meat. Oh yeah. Would I eat Willie Nelson's meat? I would eat his jerky. There you go. Um, I'm sure yeah. he's got some jerky. So his character is pivotal to the movie in that he's Frank's mentor. For uh, Presumably he's taught Frank everything he knows about thieving. And, um, you know, he's, yeah, he's very sweet. Um, 
guy. I will say that I was under the impression for this movie that Frank was going to have to break him out of prison. Me too. He's like, get me out of here, Frank. He's like, all right. And I'm like, wow, how's he going to, he's got to do that and some, some other jobs, but no, a little creative uh, bribery. It's a really funny scene. It is. A bribe scene. It is. It's good stuff. But when they have their moment in jail, when Frank goes to visit they're Oakland, they're so in jail, close to each other. It's so, so close. So close. And Frank, or Okla is looking at Frank like he's gonna cry, or like Frank looks like he's gonna cry. They're gonna kiss each times. other through this glass, or I, yeah, it is such an intimate like. It's not uncomfortable in, in, in the least bit. It I found very it very intense. uncomfortable. You did? Yes. Why? Because because Willie's eyes keep darting back and forth. This is so close. It was just so close. Like the way it's shot, there's like there's no distance between them. It, it would be like, it'd be like where am I where I am and you're the microphone and there's glass here and I'm, you know, like that's there's just there's no room to there's literally no room to breathe. I felt like so literally you would only see like my eyes because we'd be so close. Yeah. Yeah, and you were just gazing, and he didn't blink. I do that. And though. he just gazed, and he just bl- and he didn't blink. And I was like, oh. So, not to cut you off, but I was very uncomfortable. I was like, they're so close. Oh. <laughs> and, it, it, there, you know, there were no, fo- it wasn't like phones through the glass in this prison visit. It, it was just like, we're just really close. Yeah, because I don't know if we've explained. Yeah, he's visiting the prison. Frank is visiting visiting Okja. I'm going to call him Okja now. Sorry. Visiting Okja in prison. And My bad. they're through the glass and they're just so in- uncomfortably close to each other. They are. And that's yeah. when Okla. <laughs> Homa. O- that's when Okla, you know, reveals that he's dying of cancer. And, uh, and he's got to get him out. Yep. And it's very brief. Uh, appearance by Willie. Yep. Meaningful though. Meaningful. Um, it's a it's a very. Uh, it's a it's a scene where you see a softer side of Frank, and then. I think, to just to go back talking about how wonderful James Caan is in this movie, um, there's a scene where he and his now wife Jesse are trying to adopt a child. And it's so emotional and you really, that's where you get the reveal of this guy being angry about Mm -hmm. being judged by his past and wanting to, wanting to not, uh, it's, it's, uh, I get chills. I get chills just thinking about that scene because the James Caan, I've always seen him in like a tough guy role and, and for him to just kind of be very dis uh unarmed or disarmed you know Mm -hmm. and emotional oh it's just fantastic and the fact that you know people are considering this movie a razzie or whatever and shitting on certain aspects of it it's like seriously are we watching the same movie right now yeah well because the character doesn't really get a chance to be very vulnerable other than that scene vulnerable yes Um, that's that that's what i was that's pretty much what's going on there even though he's being a total fucking asshole to everybody in the place he is, yeah. but 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 it you comes get from the that sense place. of like now you know why yeah. now you know why because yeah. the insecurity yeah. and and all that other stuff. Do you happen to know anything about why Michael Mann chose Willie Nelson for that role? I don't know. Um, I know you know James Caan was not originally the the first choice for 
this role. Jeff Bridges was one, and then Al Pacino uh, turned it down yeah. as well. Uh, I don't know why Okla, uh, you know, Willie Nelson, he he wanted Willie for that. Mm. Yeah, you know, because obviously there are a lot of uh, uh, musicians, you know, actor musicians who can act quite well. Um, because I could see Chris Christopherson. Maybe he's a little too young for that because because James Caan was 41 at the time when they made this movie oh, okay. or, four, or 40. Interesting. Yeah. Cause it, he was born in 40 and this came out in 81. So maybe he's 40 at the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. Listeners. Um, anyone know way in? Well, I mean, everything else was, was intentional, uh, hiring so many, obviously of the supporting actors, uh, Jim Belushi, you know, yeah. it's a Chicago I'm not guy, saying it's so. not intentional. I just mean like, it's very, you know, it's almost like, oh, it's well, like you see Willie Nelson's name in the credits and you're like, oh yeah, but why? It, yeah, because Willie Nelson was not considered like a- um, An actor. A, a, no, yeah. no. I mean, he did a, what didn't he, didn't he, he's done some Westerns, I think up, up until that point. Yeah, but I just, I don't know. Could have been anybody. Could have been anybody. You're right. You're right. I enjoyed his performance, but- well, and, and here's the thing. I think you're taking a risk with- uh, Should have been Brian Dennehy. That's who it should have been. <laughs> Brian Dennehy would have been a fine choice, but I think they're probably the same age. But why would that- That wouldn't even have mattered so much. No, you're right. It wouldn't have mattered. You know he could have right. still been like, I'm dying in here, whatever. Or um, Robert Loja. Robert Loja. Yes. Yes. Um, by the way, yeah, it was Amy Brenneman who was in Heat. Who yes. Plays, uh, and I just pulled that out of, out of my head of and did not look that up. Amy Brenneman Amy was Brenneman. Uh, the, the love interest in Heat for Robert De Niro's character. Um, did you ever see Michael Mann's, this was technically his second film that he made. His first being the Jericho Mile. This is his first feature film movie. Mm. But this is his second film that he made, uh, the Jericho Mile is a TV movie that he made prior to this. Did you ever see the Jericho Mile? I've not seen the Jericho Mile. You should watch that. It's got Peter Strauss in it. Oh. Um, Roger E. Mosley, rest in peace. He had just, he passed away less than a week ago mm, uh, mm, when we're recording this. Mm, mm. Richard Lawson, who we loved from Streets of Fire. And then Brian Dennehy, your boy. <laughs> Brian Dennehy is in it. Interesting. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis is also in it. Your boy. Ed Louder. Ed Louder is in it. <laughs> uh -huh, we love Ed Louder uh -huh. from Real Genius and uh, The Longest Yard. It's extensive cast. And so I think you should check it out. It's a it's a really cool film. I'll do it. Uh, based on a true story, too, I believe. I'll do it. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a Michael Mann 80s guy. Everything 80s with Michael Mann and 79 because Jericho Mile came out in 79. His last 80s movie he made was L.A. Takedown before mm. Heat. And Heat is 95. And I love Heat. I love Heat to this day. But uh, give me Manhunter. Give me Thief. Give me The Keep. I'll do it. Um, so really quick. Well, not really quick. Uh, <laughs> soundtrack. We interviewed yeah. Craig Saffin. And he talked about his involvement with this movie. We hit on Tangerine Dream earlier in the episode. Tangerine Dream is a phenomenal synthwave band. Um, and But Craig Saffin was hired to come in and do this the final track of the movie called Confrontation. And uh, Dustin. This yeah. this is crazy to me because I'm watching this. You know, we, I've listened to the confrontation. 
we obviously we we interviewed Craig about this. Um, you know, Tangerine did the whole score, and basically the final scene, the last seven minutes or so, right, um, were not considered dynamic enough for Michael Mann. So Craig was yes. hired to come in and replace the music. Now, upon watching it this time, I'm watching it, Confrontation's playing, I'm going, this is Pink Floyd. This, this is, this is, I'm like, this is Comfortably Numb. I could, you know, I, I know that song, I mean, Comfortably Numb is like one of my favorite songs. And then I'm looking and I'm like, oh, Michael Mann was cutting too Comfortably Numb and he just needed somebody to replace it. So it seems to me that he's like, I can't get the clearance for Comfortably Numb. How can we replace it? I would love to do it. Let's, because I've queued this up because this, I feel like this deserves a side-by-side comparison. Yeah, if you need to do this. If yeah. you'll indulge me. Um, Please. Let me, uh, all right, here we go. So this is Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb. Right, so a little, a little, a little sampling of that, and then, and then this is the competition. right and it's like dude totally it's the totally. same everything um yep. subtly changed to achieve what michael mann needs now what craig did say to us is that michael mann it was tough creatively to work with him because it wasn't like a collaboration and then you look listen to this and you're like of course it wasn't because he was already cutting to an established piece of music that yep. he had very specific needs from what Craig was coming in to give him. So if he's like, Craig was like, I think he just wanted, you know, my guitar. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of blown away. Um, but of course that's going to take the creativity out of the process because you're not, you're not really creating something new. No, you're right. And it's not, you're, you're hired for a project. You're an artist. You have the ability to do this thing but you don't get to express yourself. Artists, I feel, need to express themselves creatively, right? Yep. But you're like a hired gun in a sense. Um, it's a tricky situation. I mean, what what came out of it, I think, is beautiful. I think that 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 track at the end is the best track on the soundtrack. It is. Um, and it's not Tangerine Dream's strongest soundtrack, I don't think. However, I don't think it's as bad as some other people have said. Um, but that song is phenomenal and the way it's used is phenomenal. It's, I watched that scene multiple times in the past week because I love it so much. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it, it's, 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 it's dynamic. There's, there's, there's life there. Um, and, and Michael Mann does something in that scene that he, he's 
I've seen him do in other movies, specifically Manhunter. Um, when a when, when a major character is shot and killed at the end of that movie, he does like a almost like a jump cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's it's very much intentional because I've seen him do it again. I'm just curious about why he does that. So you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. You know that's the scene where one of the main guys is shot and he has a very dramatic death. Yes. Um, and there's like a jump, like almost like the the film cuts in it. I feel like I would need to visually see what you're talking about in multiple movies to get a sense of why he would do that. He just does it in Manhunter too with the the main villain. Okay. And, and he or he breaks through. Yes, the wall. yes, yes. It's a weird cutting yeah. scene. It's just the weird. It's a weird, interesting way he cuts it. It just it takes me out of the scene mm-hmm, a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. It, it's. This is another thing about Michael Mann. I'm not sure if I dislike it or it just takes me out of the moment. But what keeps me in the moment is the music. Yeah. The use of this music. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Mann, Michael Mann has a, I think the way he uses music in film is one of a kind. It's beautiful. Um, I mean, look at Miami Vice. Miami Vice is a game-changing television yeah. series. And that's Michael Mann's vision. Mm-hmm. So Craig, he's an amazing composer and so talented and a true artist. But I'm glad I'm glad things turned out the way they did. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, it's just a job. It's like what you were saying before. It's like he was just hired for this job. Like, that's it. You know, so that's why it's not memorable to him, because he's also coming in and he's like, fi- you know, he's coming in to fix something. It's it's not like yeah. you're not uh, involved when you're not involved with the project from the beginning that's going to be a different experience. And um, yeah, Craig has a lot of great stories about just his creative process and, and everything like that. But you, you do get the sense that th- yeah, this movie particularly was not, was not a, uh, well, it's not one of his, one of his favorites, nor should it be. Yeah, totally understandable. Um, but, but in the context of this movie, uh, it, I'm so glad we're covering it. And I'm in the context of, yeah, oh, absolutely. It is interesting how these visionary directors kind of lose their way as time goes on, because uh, I don't think he's as strong as he used to be with his stuff. Maybe it's the studio. Yeah, I write. I think it's it's probably a lot of things. Creative freedom. John Carpenter is that that way too. And yeah, I feel I feel like Peter Jackson is now regretting being a part of the Lord of the Rings for some reason. I think one of the few current visionary directors who hasn't lost his way yet is Guillermo del Toro. Mm. What's his latest one? I was in Shape of Water. He did a he did a newer one. Uh, um, Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley is what. Oh I'm yeah, Nightmare of, Alley. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I did not that, see. So <clears throat> anyway, um, but uh, I like in the the end scene where the you know the character of Leo and the other dude are just sitting there and it's like, hey, you want some milk? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, really where, funny. Where dudes just offering men just. Just, you know, or just offering someone milk that isn't a child. Like, when does that happen? It's <laughs> <That's> really funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A guest comes over, yeah. you're like, you want some milk? No. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, and I think that I'm glad you brought that point up because th- this movie is heavy, but there are some laughing, yeah. laughable moments, um, notably at the expense of Leo's men. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> very much. And Dennis Farina just coming out of the darkness, just coming out of a bush. 
<laughs> with with a sizable pop gun. Where, like, where like, damn, dude. Back in here. Who gave you the call? Are you just ready in the bush over there? The yeah, heavy. The heavy. The heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, as we get towards the end, should we uh, talk about some notable things of 1981? Yeah. 1981. And I want to remind everyone that we will be doing a What Does Dustin Know uh, on our Patreon for the year. Well, it's it's going to be a little bit of a twist. Not a Shyamalama Ding Dong twist, but a twist. Um, and... You'll have to tune in and sign up to our Patreon to hear what does Dustin know for this thief-related episode. Uh, but I just want to point out a few notable things that happened in 1981, and then I want to talk about some movies that also came out in 1981. Um, so in 1981, the DeLorean was created. Finally. I mean, that's the most quintessential 80s. The right most there. iconic car of the 80s. Yep, yep, and uh, it's too bad that the movie that they made based on DeLorean was terrible. Didn't do well, I know. Yeah, the race because that's a the race was crazy terrible. story. I grew up in <laughs> Michigan at that time when it was going on. My family worked. Um, my family on my dad's side all worked in the automotive industry, mm, mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of controversy about what really went down with Roger DeLorean and that whole story. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, and they, they had insight. They they had their kind of theories as to what happened, uh, conspiracy theories I, and whatnot. I honestly, I thought you were just making a joke about Back to the Future. I thought you were like, it's a shame that the the movie about the DeLorean wasn't good. Oh, no, I'm talking about the, <laughs> the DeLorean man, Roger DeLorean, the biopic. The DeLorean man. Ago. Got it. Well, who cares about that guy? DeLorean no. man. That's awesome. Um. No, I was like, oh, this is like, this is funny. No, so, yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> I don't know. It was trash, right? It's a shame that no one watched Back to the Future. And um, it's a shame that that movie didn't get a bigger uh, release. Yeah. <laughs> that Michael J. Fox it's a shame didn't that Michael J. Fox didn't have a career. Star. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, a shame that Hugh Lewis in the news put out so much garbage. Right. There was not a single single from that movie. Um, it was like a Peter Frampton song. I think that was it. Right? It didn't do anything for skateboarding. Nothing for yeah. skateboarding. Holding on to nothing cars. For, for vests. Plutonium. Never yeah. caught on, really. <laughs> As something <laughs> the kids wanted to play with. Right. Um, another notable moment in 1981 was Princess Diana got married. Well, she became a princess mm. because she got married to Charles. That is notable. Oh, Diana. And then finally, yeah. I'm just going to run down uh, 1981. Might be considered one of the best years in cinematic history. Oftentimes people say, oh, it's 87 or 86 or 82 is a good year. I'm just going to run down. Yeah. I mean, 84 as well. Mm -hmm. I'm going to run down a few movies that came on 81. Just a few. But here we go. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Evil Dead. Well, it's actually not called that. It's just Indiana Jones. Well, Indiana Jones is not in the title. You're right. I don't want to be a spoils board, not to be a snooty Pete. You, you're right. <laughs> but you're right. But this, yes, this is this is uh, what do you call it? Where uh, revisionist history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because Spielberg now calls it Indiana Jones. 
Spielberg and Lucas. Well, it's called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it is not. It is not. It's not. It is not, gentlemen. It's Raiders. It's Raiders. Yeah, my bad. Uh, the, The original Evil Dead, the first one. Love it. The Road Warrior. Love it. Escape from New York. Seen it. It's Love it. Actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, an American Werewolf in. Wait, London. you don't like it? Escape from New York? Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's Carpenter's best. Well, uh, no, I mean, but you know, Snake. I, Snake I Plissken is one it. of the, the most memorable characters. He is. It's not. It's a flawed film, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, to interrupt. No, no, it's okay. An American Werewolf in London. One of your favorites. Seen it. For your eyes only. That's the movie? James Bond. Oh. <laughs> right. Seen it. <laughs> Chariots of Fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time Bandits. Oh, I would have guessed later. Stripes. Seen that? I would have guessed later. Blowout. John Travolta. Brian De Palma. Mm, that I would have guessed, 81. I would have guessed earlier. I would have. 79. Reason, I was like, yeah. Oh, 81. Um, and History of the World Part 1. Nice. And of course, thief. So, there of course, thief. Those are good. Good. Yeah, movies. really good. Oh, and 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 Arthur. Tell mm. me, my... no. When you get lost between the moon and New York, Arthur yeah. he does as he pleases. Um, I mean, I could go down the list, but there's so many. Um, yeah. Well, 80, oh, 81 is just interesting, right? Because it's it is the cusp where you still see those those 70s references. In the clothing, in the aesthetic, in the music, in the, um, you know, the 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 cinematography, like it all it all starts to it all starts to change, mid eighties. It does, and I think, I think Michael Mann has a very uh, he's a very very big reason for that. Really quick, because uh, I just it was I meant to bring it up earlier in regards to James Caan, um, the way he walks. The way he moves, yeah, very stiff, like a guy who got his ass kicked in prison. Yep, he did not look comfortable at any point. No, just everything kind of stiff. Even the way he, you know, holds his gun. And I know that he was trained very specifically for this movie on how to on how to hold it. But it's it it seems like the way he holds his gun is the same way that Tom Cruise, the exact same way that Tom Cruise holds his gun in, in Collateral, which I hadn't thought about until. The rewatch of this it's, it's well, you know yeah. it's it, right there's a very it's specific stance raising the arms entering a room scanning the room and you know what's interesting about that is also and we can do a little side-by-side comparison um the thief the original theatrical thief poster is 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 uh james Conn's face with the goggles on with the sparks around mm-hmm. but there's another one that was I think used for VHS, maybe an alternate poster mm. where he's holding his gun in a certain way. And then you look at the collateral poster and he's got his gun down, but it's like, I don't know. There's a vibe about it. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like we, we covered so much, but there's still more to cover. If you guys are fans of thief, uh, let us know, like go on our Patreon, sign up, <laughs> come on the show. We can talk about it's thief. the only place you'll be able to let us know. I'm sorry. Yeah, because, you know, social media is terrible. But Patreon is not. Patreon is life. Patreon is fun. We have so much great content on Patreon. We do. (laughs) It's like, how many times can we say it? On Patreon. Patreon. I'm just saying, we did a fun uh, $2.06 questions with Craig Saffin. 
that will be out later this we month. We did. By the end of the we month, did. it'll be out. And uh, his interview will drop two weeks from today. We did. Uh, two, two weeks from the release of this episode, actually. So. Right. Yeah, right. So if you're listening to this later, then it's already out. Yeah. But if you're listening to it before, then it's not. Um, yep. You can find us on social media. We encourage the, the connection. You can rate us on Spotify. You can rate us on iTunes. You can, um, you can, what else can you do? Whatever you want to do, whatever you want. Well, you can, you can tell us what your favorite, uh, Tangerine Dream soundtrack is. That's a good one. Let us know. That's a good one. Because we, 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 there's, we, 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 there's no, uh, it's obvious. We love synth. In, in the intros to most of our interviews, we have synth with some sort of synth track playing in the background. Generally, um, yeah. It's 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 synth wave is life to us in many ways, and this soundtrack is a perfect example of why we love synth. Yeah, and you can, you can be like, "Is risky business and three o'clock high are those the same soundtracks?" You, you know, we can talk about. It. Well, we yeah. will possibly in in a couple months. Potentially. Hint, hint, yeah. nudge, nudge, know what I mean, know what I mean. Yeah. Know what I mean, Vern? We'll get there. But uh, guys, I mean, I'm so glad we covered Thief. I'm th- so glad. I, we didn't do James Conn justice, I'm, I'm sure, with giving him a proper tribute. No, but, he's uh, probably pissed off. Sorry. going to come back and kick our asses. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, James. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> no. Do you, well, maybe you guys should just uh, break it down on uh, Podcasting of Dark. As a companion piece to this. No. No. Okay. Hey! Hi, Duke. Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win. Even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four. Is it five star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star rating on iTunes. We really. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 